Welcome back to That's Business Podcast. Today's guest, we have Abby Sutter. Abby's a licensed real estate agent with Dobie in Birmingham with over three years of experience. She works in Macomb, Oakland, and Lapeer counties. When working with her residential clients, she takes a personable and educational approach. She's passion, passionate about fitness, yoga, and traveling. I'm so excited to have Abby on this podcast with the craziness of, that is the real estate world. So Abby, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited. I'm so excited. So tell us first and foremost, how the hell did you get into real estate? So um, I, before getting into real estate, I was working at a law firm. Um, I actually started working there when I was 16. Um, wow. And I, I remember like applying for the job and being like, I'm never going to get this job. But um <laughs> A family. I was like, I'm 16. This is a big law firm. This is not going to happen. But um, I remember a good family friend encouraged me. He's like, like, what do you have to lose? Like the worst thing they can say is no. Right. So I'm really grateful for that encouragement because um, that just kind of launched my career. Um, So Mm -hmm. yeah, I started there when I was 16 and then um, I was promoted there to contract support specialist. And I worked in that position for a number of years. Um, Mm -hmm. And essentially it was kind of like a paralegal. So assisting the lawyers in editing the contracts, corresponding with clients. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really, I did really like that position. I feel like it, it fit me for the time being, but there wasn't like too much growth opportunity from there besides going to law school. And I did not want to do that. (laughs) Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to the lawyers, but um, not for me. So I kind of started looking for something different. I wanted it to be a little bit more interactive with clients. Um, And so at that same time, uh, my husband and I, Josh, now husband, I think we were engaged at the time we were looking for our first house Mm -hmm. and the real estate agent we worked with, he was a broker and owner of his own brokerage. And so we, um, you know, went through the process of buying a house and I just, I don't know, it just really attracted me. So I started talking to him about like, what would this look like getting into real estate? Do you have a position for me on the management side? And so in April of 2019, I transitioned out of the legal field into real estate. Um, I started working for him on the management side, um, you know, assisting the agents with background work, doing onboarding, um, recruiting agents, all of that. And then I started studying for the real estate exam and got my license and I was just doing it part time. And then I realized that I really like this sales thing. Like this seems like it fits me. So I uh, decided to go into sales full-time, drop like the management side of it. And I moved to a new brokerage where I'm now at Dolby Real Estate in Birmingham. And Mm -hmm. um, last year, which would be 2021, was my first year as a full-time sales agent. Um, And I reached my goals. I over tripled my business from what I was doing. Yeah. As a part-time agent, um, a lot of growth to happen, but super excited about, you know, where I've come so far. So that's, that's a little bit about how I got into the madness of real estate. 
What a good year to get into it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild. (laughs) Right now what's going into where we're at with this pandemic, what kind of happened? Cause I don't feel like a lot of people like really understand like this whole market, what's going on with real estate and what do you think happened 2020, 2021, and especially seeing it firsthand? Yeah. So, um, I mean, when in real estate, we we definitely got shut down for a short period of time, right. not to the extent that like a lot of other industries did. It was, mm-hmm. I think it was like four weeks maybe that we weren't allowed to show houses and then open house, we slowly transitioned into open houses. But as far as launching us into this crazy market that everyone's right. hearing about, um, interest rates just went so low, like historical lows. We were getting interest rates at like 2.5, 2.6. Even when we first bought our house in 2019, I think our interest rate was close to a 5%. So, Mm -hmm. which is still, you know, generally pretty low. Um, But these were like historical lows. So every, everyone that was trying to buy a house, you know, even if they were planning on waiting, they were like, well, I'm going to do it now, you know? So, um, So, I mean, all these buyers just launched into the market and on the flip side, I mean, there just wasn't enough inventory to sustain the buyers. And we're still, we're still seeing that to this day. Um, And so just an overabundance of buyers, not enough listings. And um, I mean, it was, I mean, it still is multiple offers on every single house going well over asking price. Um, and so we're seeing we're seeing interest rates go up a little bit. Um, they've gone up mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. We're not seeing those like mid twos anymore. They're closer to five percent, which I think a lot of buyers are kind of freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, the interest rates just shot up. But still, historically speaking, they're honestly really low. We just got really really spoiled with like the two point six percent interest rate. Like money is free, <laughs> so. Let's take um, it. Yeah. Right. And what kind of goes into interest rates? Is it more like market demand or how, cause I would, I mean, and I don't know as much about real estate as you do obviously, but what goes into like what percentage interest rates are decided? Um, so that would be a good question for a loan officer. They definitely know the fine details, but, oh, okay. um, how like they are affected, like for example, um, one of my loan officers I work with, he's like, yeah, anytime uh, Kim Jong-un like threatens America, like interest rates go super low. So like any, uh-huh. um, you know, world okay. events that are kind of happening, like that can really affect. So like the pandemic really affected it because the economy went kind of crazy, you know, with businesses being right. shut down. So they were trying to, you know, encourage people to take out loans. Um, mm-hmm. And now I think, you know, they're trying to come back from that because, you know, inflation is super high. So the rise in interest rates, that really helps off balance, you know, some of the inflation. So I never looked at it that way, but that does make sense. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What are you seeing in this market now? I know you just said it's still multiple offers. It's still craziness. Is it as bad as it was in 20 or what are you kind of seeing currently? So to be honest with you, I kind of think this market is even worse than 2020 and 2021, (laughs) just in the sense of, you know, what the 
um, like what we have on the market. So right now, like for a, for a healthy market, you know, a quote unquote healthy market, um, it would be like six to eight months worth of inventory on the market. And right now, at least in, you know, the Metro Detroit area right now, we're sitting at like 0.3 months worth of inventory. <laughs> so yeah, like the, we've definitely seen a lot more come to market in the spring, you know, we're, we're kind of mid spring market, but it's still a very, very slow spring. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm at least hopeful. So like, you know, for the okay. lab, for the beginning of the year, I was going out with clients seeing like one house here, one house there. And now over the last couple of weekends, I've been going out with each client seeing like four or five houses. Like there's definitely more available. Um, but still it's not where, you know, we want it to be. And there's definitely less inventory than, you know, what we were seeing in past years. Oh my gosh. It is crazy. Cause my boyfriend and I are like, we sold our house. We in an apartment right now looking again, just to see when something hits, but it's so crazy. It's like, I will go on the MLS listings we have and it'll be like, Oh, there's nothing new. I'm like, this is just crazy. Yeah. But- yeah. Oh my God. No, it's definitely tough. I mean, I just um sold my house and sold my old house and, and bought a new house and we kind of, you know, swooped right in where, where we got a really low interest rate. But um yeah, no, it definitely is pretty crazy for buyers out there. I don't I don't want to discourage them. Like you can still buy. I just got a buyer under contract last week. Like you can still do it, but you just right. have to, you know, set the expectation of kind of like what what you should expect and what the reality of the market is right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now, when people, when your clients are looking for houses and I've seen people like online argue about this, does someone need to get pre-approved before looking at houses or what goes into that? Absolutely. So the pre-approval process, um, it's interesting because a lot of people that want to buy a house, like the first thing they do is go to their agent, which definitely, you know, do that. Talk to your agent about, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm interested in purchasing a house or, you know, selling my house, but, um, they will then, you know, direct you either to a preferred loan officer or, you know, mortgage broker. Um, and, if you have someone that you would like to work with, that's great, but you definitely want to get pre-approved. And basically what that means is you're going to a loan officer and they're kind of taking, um, you know, a snapshot view of your finances, going to the bank and saying like, Hey, how much, how much would you be willing to, what's that? I said, Hey, look, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How much would you be willing to, you know, loan to this person? Um, and then, you know, they'll come back with a number let's say 400,000 and you get that pre-approval letter saying, Hey, Angela Bucciolato is pre-approved up to Mm -hmm. $400,000. Um, and the purpose of that is you have already kind of done the back end work to start securing that loan. Um, you haven't actually applied for it, but you do need that pre-approval letter when you are submitting an offer on a home. So it's just kind of doing steps in the right order, right? So like, If you want to go see houses and you're not pre-approved, you might find one that you really love. In this market, you have to jump on it and put an offer in that day. Um, But if you're not pre-approved, you have to go back to the loan officer. It could take a couple days to get you pre-approved. So it's just taking the right steps to be 
properly prepared in order to go see houses and submit an offer because you will need to submit that letter when you write an offer. Now, that kind of goes into the next question, but what's a mistake you're seeing from both buyers and sellers? I'm guessing the pr- not getting pre-approved is one of them, but mm-hmm. what mistakes are you seeing from both on both sides of it? So buyers, I would say a um, couple things, like not having the right expectations. Um, part okay. of that is, you know, kind of adjusting your mindset, but also having the right agent that is going to educate you and help prepare you for what you're about to step into in this market. Um, So, you know, wanting certain things in your home, like, you know, three bed, two bath, I need a finished basement. This needs to be perfectly updated, but this is my price point. And being realistic about what you can actually get for the price point that you're looking in and maybe adjusting and being like, hey, well, maybe we can't get these updates in this price point, but you can make these updates later. But Can you build a garage? No. Like, you know, just making adjustments (laughs) that are appropriate. Um, And -hmm. then, you know, also um, for sellers, I would say a couple things. People are now finally hearing about like, oh my gosh, my neighbor sold my house for this much or like my friend sold his house for this much. And yes, that's happening. However, you still need to price your home right. So like, yeah, you might want 450 for your house because that's what your neighbor got for his house, but we don't want to price at 450 because you're just going to scare people away. You still want to price your home according to market value. And if not a little bit on the lower end, um, because you want to create a bidding war and I kind of like educate them and give them the the example of an auction. Like we're selling this picture for $5. Well, everyone wants it for $5. So, you know, it's going to create a bidding war and you're going to end up getting $25 for it. It's the same concept with, um, you know, pricing your home, right? You want to list at market value, preferably slightly a little bit lower and then create that bidding war and you end up getting $30,000 more for your house because people are willing to fight for it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And like, I mean, same thing would go with, go with the buyer. Like if your, if your max price point is 400,000, don't start looking at homes that are set at 400,000. Like let's backpedal about $30,000, start there. And then that way you can actually compete, you know, with the other buyers in that home because everything is really pretty much for the most part going over asking. Now, just because we just went through this process and I got asked a lot, are people writing letters or besides obviously monetary, like, yeah, I'll give you 30 grand over asking price. And that's really attractive. What other things are buyers doing to get the seller to go with their offer? What have you seen with your clients? Oh, all kinds of things. People are getting very creative. Um, Oh, so I have seen people, offer like, here's a hundred dollars to the seller for like, congratulations on your closing lunch. So like, here's a hundred dollars towards beer and pizza. Um, I heard of someone, um, in this area writing, they, they saw a house and they saw that the seller had a Peloton in their house. And so they wrote into the offer and offered to pay for the seller's like year long subscription to Peloton. What? Like super creative. (laughs) That is creative, but what? Yeah. 
Um, so just kind of throwing in, you know, extra things outside of what you can, you know, negotiate with the actual terms of the contract. Some people are waiving their inspections, which personally, I do not like to encourage my clients to do that. If you want to do that, you know, you're welcome to, but is never my recommendation. You never know what you're walking into in a home. Um, and I mean, one way, rather than waiving your inspection, what you could say is, Hey, this, you know, I'm still going to get the inspection done, but it's going to be a pass or fail inspection. Like we're, it's for informational purposes for us as the buyers only, we're not going to come back and ask you to fix up all these things. But so people are doing that. Um, but as far as like your question about the letters, letters are kind of tricky because, um, I have had, I have had buyers do it, but, um, it can be like, it's always a little, it's kind of a little shady as far as like ethics go, because you are, um, I don't know, you're, you're exposing yourself to the sellers on like who you are, what potentially like your, your familial status is, what potentially your religion is like different things like that. And so it can be a little bit risky to do that. Um, as far as, you know, just having certain biases toward people. So, um, every agent is different, whether they recommend that or not, but it is not as preferred, (laughs) (laughs) not preferred. I can't get over that Peloton subscription. I just, (laughs) Just thinking about that. I know. I'm like, that's very smart. Good for you. So yeah, people are getting so creative with like what they're doing or like I've heard of people offering, you know, they see that they have like dog stuff in the house. And so Mm -hmm. like offering to, um, you know, like pay for a dog sitter or pay for a babysitter for you guys to go out to dinner, like just, just wild, super, super creative stuff to put you over the edge. Now, when, what's kind of, what are some of the red flags when looking at a house or when you walk into this house, are you like, wow, this is a huge red flag or what is, what does that look like for, I know there's 5 million things, but what what are like the the top five or like people should be looking for? Yeah. Um, so I would always say, try to really focus on the big things like foundational issues, roof, like high price point items. AC, furnace, hot water heater, um, especially in Michigan, in certain areas in the Metro Detroit area, um, foundational issues are going to be the biggest thing because, you know, like we've experienced in like Royal Oak and Ferndale, crazy flooding, stuff like that. Um, And if there, if there are water issues in the basement or the sellers have experienced water, they are required to disclose that. Um, But really checking out a lot of the, the major um, foundational things and high price point items like the roof, hot water heater, furnace, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Because you might walk in and see a beautiful home, but if everything else is falling apart, like we call it lipstick on a pig. <laughs> so like <laughs> yes. you, yeah, you don't want to be purchasing a house where it's like, oh my gosh, these white granite countertops, but then, you know, your, your roof is going to be leaking or you have to replace the furnace mm-hmm. and a hot water heater in a year. Um, and, and, and if, you know, if you're good with kind of taking on that risk and, um, you know, putting, putting that money towards your home, that's totally okay. But just kind of being aware of that, that you're not walking into, you know, a potentially, um, crappy situation where you're dumping all your money towards that. And again, like that's where the inspection 
comes in handy. Like some of those things we can see, but like when we, when I show a house, I'm not going up into the attic and seeing if there's proper insulation or if there's mold up there, you know? So the inspector will, you know, they'll, they'll help, um, highlight that for the buyers. So I would say those, those are kind of the big things because you can always, you can always update a home. Um, but do you want to be spending your money on stuff that isn't pretty? (laughs) No, you don't. One thing no. that when I bought my my hundred year old house in Royal Oak, oh, wow. something I never thought about was, and you know, I was first time home buyer. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm right out of college. I'm good to go. So pumped. But one thing I wish I would have done two things. It was like turn on every light, which mm-hmm. I've yep. heard that, and I think you you and I have talked about that. Or check out the house when it's raining because. Yes. I didn't do that. And my basement mm-hmm. flooded and the um, seller didn't disclose that. But yeah, what are some of those other things that are like obvious to you? Like you have your checklist in your head with your buyers, like I need to do this, 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 and that. But obviously you're not in the attic, like you said, but what are right. some easier things people can do too? Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely when you're walking into the house, like you want to turn on all the lights, it could be mm-hmm. that like the light bulb is out. Right. Right. Um, sure. but even like flushing the toilets, making the toilets are f- making sure the toilets are flushing properly. Oh, um, if you happen to, if you do happen to go out on a day that it's raining, that is a great way to see, like, not only if there's flooding in the basement, but seeing if there's flooding, you know, around the home itself. Sure. Um, and you can also see that too in the winter. Like I remember going to see this one house, it was probably 10 degrees outside and the entire driveway and entire backyard leading up to the garage was probably like three to four inches thick of ice. And so clearly, yeah, like clearly there was a major flooding issue and that all just froze, you know? So it's like, okay, we would need to address that. So things like that. Um, but one thing too, as far as like, I know you had kind of a crappy experience with like having, having the sellers not properly disposed that the basement flooded. Um, right. One way to check that, that I always like to check um, to see if they have potentially had water damage down there because you can't always tell with the walls or the, or the molding if they've replaced it is look underneath the stairs because in the basement, because typically underneath the stairs, you'll see like, you know, the wood framing Mm -hmm. and typically stairs are never really moved or replaced. Um, so you can kind of go underneath the stairs and look at the bottom of the step and see like, Hey, have they had, is there like water damage underneath here? So that's one of my tips I learned from an inspector. Um, good to know. And then like, if you're looking at some type of house, like a bungalow where, you know, there there's access to the attic, um, you know, you'll have, you know, a small door where you can see it, you see into a portion of the attic that that's, you know, where you can see if there's enough insulation. You always want to make sure there's insulation backed on the door so cold mm-hmm. walk, cold air isn't seeping through. Um, I always try to take my hand um, like around the windows and check to see if, if, especially if it's on a cold day, if there's any, you know, water or air leaks, you know, if you can feel cold kind of coming through the windows, um, check the windows for any, um, you know, like ice buildup or water buildup, things like right. that. Those are all good ones. I didn't think, I didn't think of those ones. Those are good. (laughs) I have to know what is the worst house you've seen? 
I know I'm sure there's a bunch, but what was something that was just like <sighs> jaw to the floor? Like, what am I looking at? So, so there was this house, it was a duplex. So it was, um, you know, like one house that they kind of broke into two and were renting both sides out. And we walked in and there was a man sleeping on the couch. Um, there were like alcohol bottles everywhere, dirty dishes piled up everywhere. It was, it was honestly like really heartbreaking. Um, but like, I don't know. It's funny because you don't really think of real estate as this like high risk job, you know, like you're selling houses, but really like when you're walking into these houses, you have no idea what you're walking into. Um, like there could be squatters in there, there could be people in there. And like, we weren't expecting the tenant to be there, but he was just kind of, you know, chilling on the couch. Um, and so, yeah, you, you definitely have to be careful walking into some houses because there could be floorboards missing. Like I've experienced that. Um, so interesting or a dog home. Like my, my thing that I kind (laughs) of is my pet peeve is, um, People will leave, not not specifically dogs, but mostly cats. They'll okay. leave their cats home, the sellers, and they'll just put a note on the door like, hey, the cat's inside. Don't let it out. And I'm like, why is that responsibility? responsibility? Right? <laughs> I know. Like, like, what if I let your cat out? I've heard of agents that let cats accidentally let cats out. You know, they run through the door and they're like, I'm chasing this cat around the neighborhood. Like, why is this my fault? <laughs> why am I in this right. situation? Like, take your cat with you or put it in yeah. whatever cage or yeah. anything. But no, that's stupid. No, because I think what we, I mean, any houses, you're, you're looking at the doors, you're leaving them open. Oh, and yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I always try to, when I walk into a house, I try to lock the front door behind me just again for like safety purposes. Cause you never know, like someone could see that the door's open and walk right in or, you know, be like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just checking out the house. I don't have an agent. And it's like, well, it, you know, it doesn't work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Gosh. So going off of that, what would you say is the hardest part about being a real estate agent? Hmm. Um, I think, yeah. (laughs) Where do I begin? No. Um, so I think for me, it is, I guess it was just like an adjustment for me going from a typical nine to five to really running your own business. Cause that's, that's kind of what you are. Oh, like you are a business owner, you're starting your own business. You are responsible for, you know, all of your clients. Um, so I think for me is like a lot of people get into real estate thinking that like, Oh, you're own, you're your own, you're your own boss. Like you can create your own schedule. And like, that's true in, you know, a sense, but really your clients do kind of dictate your schedule because you might get a text on, you know, Friday night. Hey, you know, five (laughs) o'clock, love this house. Got to go see it that night or the next morning. Um, so just kind of adjusting to the switch up and schedule where every day is very different. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's awesome because every day is different and you know, you, you don't know what to expect the next day. It can be exciting, but it also can, um, you know, just like, I, I kind of had to adjust to that where it's like, okay, every day is different. I don't know what to expect. And you're kind of planning your days in like two day increments. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What advice would you give? Cause I know of 
like I know a few people that got their real estate license that do listen to this podcast, but mm-hmm. what advice would you give to people that are just starting out? Good question. I have, um, I've had a lot of people like come to me like, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about getting my license. Um, like what has your experience been like? And to be honest with you, I don't feel like I was fully prepared. You can never fully prepare someone, oh, right? Never. For, like a new right. job. But I think the biggest thing for me is I really try to prepare people that like you, like I just said, are your own business owner. Like right. you are running mm-hmm. your own business. You might not get a paycheck for the first six months. Like you're responsible for all of that. And so just kind of mentally preparing them that it can start off pretty slow and you have to work your way up. Um, like you can't just walk into a $1.5 million you know, house and be like, I'm going to sell this, you know, like you, some people, some people do like some people really do that, but, um, it, it kind of all depends on like your sphere of influence, like who, you know, what kind of crowd you run with, who your friends are, um, who you influence all of that. Um, but just kind of mentally preparing them that like, it can, it can be, um, difficult starting out because, you know, you are, you don't, you don't just get your license and magically have, you know, listings and clients. Um, you really have to work for it. You know, you're, you're, you're running it yourself. So like if, if you can try to maybe hang on to like a part-time position, so you at least have like a paycheck coming in. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, luckily I was married and so I had my husband's like full son support. You got this girl. So that was such a blessing. Um, but it can take a while um, just to kind of get things rolling. But once once you see, you know, the growth, it, it does get really exciting. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say, because everyone I feel like has an opinion, like people have opinions about what you should do to look for a job, but what you should do with real estate. Do you have any examples of good sources of information? Adobe, I love your social media is amazing, but what are some other good sources of information for um, market updates or anything people may have questions on? Yeah. So um, yeah, like you mentioned, our, or the brokerage I work for um, on Instagram, it's at we are Adobe. Um, they put out weekly market updates. Um, so they give the stats on, what is newly listed, pending, and sold in Oakland, Macomb, and Wayne County. Um, and I, re, you know, I repost those a lot. So you're welcome to follow me as well. Um, and those are just really good, uh, you know, stats to kind of keep an eye on if you're local to the area. Um, mm-hmm. But one Instagram account that I really like, it's called Keeping Current Matters. Okay. Um, they post a lot of stuff about even nationwide, like different market stats, different insights. It's a really educational, not only for real estate agents, but for the general public um, as mm-hmm. well, just kind of giving you insights into the market and what's happening in real estate. Oh, I like that. Okay. Now, I want to hear this, but what has been <laughs> your worst client story? I, I always love asking people horror stories because I just love hearing them, but what has been... <laughs> a bad client experience, or I just love this on every industry is something different, but tell us a yeah. client horror story. Oh, uh, so, um, all right. I'll be careful here because I, I don't, I don't like to bad talk or bad oh, no, talk my clients, but right, of course. Um, so this one, 
I had a lady reach out to me about uh, selling her condo. She was okay. a super nice lady. She she wanted to sell her condo and move to the west side to be closer to her kids. So I was like, great. We set up the appointments. Um, the morning of, she messages me and she's like, hey, you know, looking forward to our meeting. But FYI, I have two dogs and one of them is just, she's like my security alarm. She just like barks like crazy. She's going to be in your face. It was like, I don't know, a seven pound Yorkie. Like it's a tiny little dog, but definitely right. a firecracker. <laughs> so I'm like, no problem. I love dogs. Not, not an issue. Right. So mm-hmm. I go over there. Um, as promised, her little dog was just yapping away and she's walking me through the house and we're walking, I don't know, from like the hallway into the kitchen and I'm following this woman and this dog is jumping at me and barking. This dog bites my ankle. (gasps) I have never been bitten by a dog before. And it's not like it was, you know, a Rottweiler biting me, like a big dog. But I was like, oh my gosh. And I like exclaimed and she looks back at me and all she sees is the dog jumping on me and she's like, you know, yelling at the dog, get down, get down, all this stuff. And I'm like sitting there, we're going over the info. I'm sitting at the table, like trying to check out, see if I'm bleeding, like what's going on. Right, exactly. And so I get back in the car, I call my broker. I'm like, I was just at this listing appointment and this lady's dog bit me. Like, what do I do? He's like, did you, did you tell her? And I'm like, no, I wanted to get the listing. Like I didn't want to make her feel bad. So luckily no blood was drawn. Otherwise I definitely would have reached out and made sure that the, the dog was up on his rabies shot, but I am, I'm rabies free. It just, it was a little painful for for a couple days, but yeah, that was my, that was my first experience of getting bit by a dog, but then getting bit by a dog in, in the work environment. That's so, well, it's like, if she knew this already, why would you not just like throw the dog in a room or just like, I, I know, heartless, but I don't know. Well, and the, it was funny because the other dog was just like chilling on the bed, like totally right. fine. And then this other one's just yapping away, biting my ankles. Like, and it, like, that's the thing. It wasn't like a nip. It was an actual bite. Like my ankle was bruised and I'm like, okay. You got the listing though? Did you sell our condo? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I was like, I'm not tell. I'm never going to tell her. <laughs> Just gonna listen to this and be like, "What? I had no idea." No. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. So sorry, right? <laughs> now, as we start to wrap this up, what makes you really different from other agents? Because I feel like everyone knows ten different agents that does re- that do real right. estate. Why are you different than others? Yeah. So I. I do find this question interesting because everyone does know 10 different agents, like my (laughs) uncle and my cousin and my high school friend. And, um, like I could say that like my marketing is the best or, um, you know, my social media is the best, you know, but I think like how I would respond to that question is, um, my approach with my clients. Um, so I mean, real estate is very relationship based, very people oriented. I know you experience the same thing. You work with all kinds of different characters and that's just like the nature of working in a people business. Um, so for me, I, when I'm like approaching a new client orientation, whether it be a buyer, seller, investor, I really try to hone in on, um, like our relationship, building that and trying to figure out like who this person is and how they tick, like working with someone that works, um, like is an engineer compared Mm -hmm. to a lawyer, like two very different type of people, different brains, like they just work differently. And so 
what I try to do is hone in on that and for all my clients provide the same level of service, but really, um, you know, creating the process and um, adjusting it to their needs and how they best see information, process information, take it in, like what's going to work best for you. Um, and I've had, I've had really good success with that. Like I, it's really, um, you know, catering to the individual person themselves, because like when you buy or sell a house, that's pretty much the biggest financial decision you're going to make for most people. And I want to make sure that they are comfortable with the process. They feel like they know what's going on. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients tell me like, oh yeah, when I bought my last house, like it was such a whirlwind. I don't even know what happened. And like, that breaks my heart. Like, I want to make sure that they walk away from the closing table you know, you start day one seeing this house and 35 days later, you're a homeowner, right? So like right. making sure they know what the heck just happened, why all of this happened, right? And they're educated on the process and walking away feeling, you know, confident in, in the process too. So that's amazing. Okay. And last but not least, if someone wants to work with you, that's listening to the podcast, how do they contact you? Where can they follow you? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, you can reach out to me. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my account is abby.center.realestate, A-B-B-Y. And my last name is center, like shopping center. <laughs> um, <laughs> and all of my contact info is there. So, um, you know, my phone number and email, my email is abby at we are You can also find me on, uh, my brokerage website, we I would love to chat with you. Um, yeah, if you are buyer, seller, investor, I work with all three and I would be happy to have a conversation with you. Amazing. Abby, thank you so, so, so much for being on this and providing all of your amazing insight. If you guys listening want to want to work with Abby, all of the links are in the bio of this site and we'll see you next week. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.